Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Which brings me today, and we're going to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Turn to the person next to you and say, gifts. In light of last week, I had fruit, which I was throwing out to everyone. You might think, oh, he's got gifts he's going to throw out. Not happening. <laughs> There's no Mr. Incredible suit today. There's no fruit. You've just got me. This is it. Just me today. No, no illustrations, no props, no gifts. But I do feel it's important that we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they've both been neglected and abused. In this church, and this is what I love about this church, it's so eclectic. We have the charismatics and we have the conservatives and we have everything in between. We have some people who don't know what they even mean and that's awesome. The young ones say, what, what's, what's that? But we have some people who's like, you know, you know, who are wanting more out of this series because we have this charismatic bent. And we have more conservatives. He better not speak about tongues because if he does, I'm out of here. Well, hang around because I want to bring balance to these two extremes because they've both been neglected and abused. And I think in my own life, I've abused and neglected the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Forget the church, forget everyone out there, me personally, have both neglected and abused the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And for that I apologise. But it is right and fitting that we get the God-given balance to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so maybe you're one of those who've been put off by the abuses. But don't use past abuses not to learn. Don't use past abuses to put a full stop on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and say, that's it, I'm out of here. Let's come open to learn afresh today. Maybe you've neglected them because of the fear of the unknown. Or maybe you've just never thought about it because it's all too hard to com comprehend. And can I just say this before I get into it? If I'm going to be truly honest, there's lots about God that's hard to comprehend. Let alone stand up here and explain. And you know what? I like a God that I can't comprehend fully. And I like a God that I can't fully explain. Every time I preach, I'm trying to describe the indescribable. And I like that. And if there's things that you know about God that I never get to, that's fantastic. That means I've got growth in me and I've got a ways to go. But I don't want to serve a God that I can know all about and have all the answers for and of. Because once I know all there is to know about God, I become greater than Him. And the fact that there's this God of the universe that just spoke the world into existence, I can't fully comprehend that. I like a God like that. The fact that I can go to this, uh, the burial site where Jesus was buried and His bones aren't there because He supernaturally was raised from the dead and on one occasion He was standing um, uh, before the disciples and He just ascended into heaven before their very eyes. That's hard to explain. But I'd rather serve a God like that 
than talk about a good man who had a few good philosophies and he lived this amount of time and there's his bones. And so I'm not here to answer all your questions, but I want to provoke you to holy thinking. And so to do that, we're going to turn to the Scriptures and we're going to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and read the first 11 verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 11. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant and I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. Four things I want to highlight this morning and then we're done. The first one is this, that all gifts are from God. All gifts, natural gifts and spiritual gifts. Everything is from God. If you have a gift of making money, that gift is a natural gift. It's a gift from God. If you have a gift of administration, it's a natural gift, but it's a gift from God. Why are you good at administration and there are others in the room who are not good at administration? Who here is good at administration? My wife is. There are there others? You're good at administration. Don't get too big-headed, Donna. Uh, I saw that hand and you are good at administration. Uh, but I did see your head just swell a bit then. So I'm just going to... Um... And that's awesome. But God gave you that gift. And the moment we start talking people down because someone else is not good at what we're good at, understand this. God gave us those gifts. The gift of being an encourager. The gift of leadership. The gift of all these things are natural gifts. And just like there are natural gifts, there are also spiritual gifts. And they are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there are nine listed in the portion of scripture that I've just read this morning. And those nine can be put into three categories. And they are this the inspirational gifts. And that is prophecy, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. No matter what you believe about prophecy, tongues, or the interpretation of tongues, you can't just ignore it because it's in the Word of God. It's there. We've got to look at it. And I know there's been some neglect and I know there's been some abuses. But the gift of prophecy is the ability to foretell the future under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We see this happen many times in the Scriptures. There was a prophet by the name of Agabus and he came up to Paul one day and Paul was just travelling along his merry way. He was wanting to go back to Jerusalem and Agabus, this prophetic man, grabbed Paul's belt, tied his own hands with Paul's belt and said, the man who owns this belt will be tied as I am tied. And he spoke about a future event. That is not something you want to do just as a party trick. It's not going to go well for you 
if you just make outlandish predictions, here's, a, here's when you know whether someone's a prophet or not, whether it comes true or not. You can say anything, but that doesn't make you a prophet. That's why we have our Stock Take Sunday because we want to hold ourselves accountable to what we said six months ago. I don't want to be up here making outlandish promises. We're going to build a, we're going to plant a church in Mars. Wow, that's awesome. Everything is awesome. I mean, we don't want to do that. If I was in a congregation where the pastor said we're going to plant a church in Mars and who knows, Brian Houston might just do that. (laughs) But I, I would be sitting there thinking, that's great, but you know, I'm a little bit, little bit skeptical. We'll see. I want to see. I want to see the proof. And the proof of a prophet is in the ability of it coming true or not. What makes a New Testament prophet or a liar? Whether it comes true or not. And we're going to be open to the fact there are New Testament prophets today speaking the truth in love about things that have not yet happened. And we've got to have ears to hear. Tongues is another gift and the interpretation of tongues. I believe in tongues. I personally speak in tongues and I speak in tongues every day of my life. I know there are some tongue speaking people that are the biggest pains in the neck. I know that uh, Pentecostalism has prided itself on this particular gift and almost put down other churches that don't speak in tongues. That's not what we're about. But tongues is a gift from God. It's a direct communication line to heaven. I ask you this question. Have you ever been in a place where you're so overwhelmed with circumstances and situations that you know you should pray, but you just don't know what to pray? Have you ever felt like that? The Bible says that's why. That's one of the reasons God has given us this ability to speak in tongues. This is not a message today about tongues. We're going to talk more about it into the future. We actually want to set up a midweek meeting where people can um, receive the gift of speaking in tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But we're going to be open to these things. These, these are gifts to help us. The interpretation of tongues is another gift. These are the inspirational gifts. The revelation gifts are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. The word of wisdom is like a supernatural wisdom. We see a supernatural wisdom at work in King Solomon's life as a young man who found himself on the throne. He was uh, presented with an incredibly difficult situation. These two prostitutes both had a child. One prostitute's child died. She woke up in the morning and saw her son dead next to her. And so she saw this other uh, child and she switched babies. The prostitute of the mother whose child was alive and had the baby switched, woke up and said, this isn't my child. And so they were arguing and squabbling before the king. Now, I don't know about you, when you've got two prostitutes standing before you, arguing over whose baby is who, one's dead, one's alive. What do you do when you're leading a kingdom and you're young and you're new to the job and you've got all these people and all these demands? What do you do? Under the inspiration of God, he says, bring me a sword. I imagine if I was there watching that, I'd say, yeah, I know what he's going to do. He's going to cut their heads off and just shut them all up. That's what I'd be thinking. I'd be thinking, he's not, he's not a bad king. That's not a bad answer. Not a bad problem. Kill. <laughs> kind of Game of Thrones style. <laughs> just off with your head. Not that I've seen that shot. Anyway. Um, <laughs> he said, bring me the live baby. 
I'm going to cut the baby in two and give half to each. Now the prostitute that wasn't the real mother of this child said, that's a great idea. The prostitute who was the mother of this live child said, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Please let the other woman have the child. And Solomon said, that's the mother because no mother, no genuine mother, no true mother would want me to cut their baby in half. Here, give the mother, get out of my sight. Wisdom. How do you like that wisdom? It's available. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. I think one of the things that are missing today is wisdom. And it's available to us through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. A word of knowledge, which is that supernatural knowledge, knowledge you can't get on Google. There's lots of knowledge on Google, but I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about stalking someone on Facebook and saying, thus saith the Lord, I just was feeling. No, you were just reading Facebook. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you know nothing about nothing and God gives you wisdom. This is the kind of supernatural knowledge Jesus had when he was at the well. And there was a woman who came up to him and started chatting. And he said, hey, why don't you go and get your husband? She says, I'm not married then. This word of knowledge comes and says, I know you're not married. The man you're living with is not your husband, but you've had five husbands. And she's like, what? This is, this is operating in a different realm now. This is not Facebook stuff. This is not stalking Facebook, been married five times before, presently living with a man who is not my husband, and then turning that into a word of the Lord. We do a lot of that today. And people are drawing attention to themselves and big noting themselves, and they're not giving the real source of their information. If you're getting information off the internet, that may make you smart, clever, but it's not a gift of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about a supernatural wisdom and a supernatural knowledge. And also the discerning of spirits. We see Paul had the discernment of spirits in Acts chapter 16. When this young girl was walking around and bothering Paul and Silas and the disciples for days saying, these are men of the most high God. And he calls account the spirit in her. And he calls it a spirit of Python, which is what our serpent event is going to be on. He calls, he calls it out. He, he's able to discern the spirits and freeze this young girl from this particular demonic oppression. These are gifts that are available to us in 2014. They're the revelation gifts. Then there's the power gifts, faith, miracles, and healing. Faith is speaking miracles into being. Can, can I just say that a personal testimony of mine is this building we're in. Many of you have just walked into this building as it is, but it wasn't always as it is. This building was derelict to the core and I walked in here and full, I, had this, I had this spirit of faith that this could be transformed and turned into what we see today. I saw more what it could be than all the problems. I just had this incredible faith. And to prove the point, I'll never forget, once we were in here, about 12 months after being in this building, Drew found the very first photos of this building, the very first day we came into it. And I want you to know it was so bad, I would never have walked into this building by myself. It was too dangerous. It was too dark. It was too scary. It was too eerie. There were too many squatters. There was too many problems that could go wrong. Honestly, you could get anything could happen in this building. 
And so I went with Drew. I don't know why I took Drew. I should have took someone bigger and stronger. But anyway, I took Drew with me. And, and I think there's a couple of others. And uh, we took some photos of what it was like. And I'll never forget looking at these photos, having been in here for about 12 months. And I was amazed. My, my gosh. And having used the spirit of faith to achieve a certain goal, I look back at it just from a natural. I, was, I, I looked at the situation with natural eyes for the first time. I thought, my gosh, how do we do that? Oh my gosh, that place was a disaster. And yet, in the midst of it, I didn't see that. I just saw with faith what it could be. Having used the faith for the task, I was able to view it for the first time as most people would have viewed it. Like, you're crazy, Tony. And that's how I felt looking back on it. Because I didn't need faith for this task anymore because faith had already been used. These are, and again, I hope I'm identifying with some of the things that you've used, this gift of faith in your life. It's a power gift. Miracles, miracles. Cause us to wonder, like Moses and the Red Sea. There are some miracles. And, and I would dare say that there are a lot more miracles happening in our life, but we just don't have eyes to see them. I think my healing and recovery from an operation is miraculous. And I'll never let anybody talk me out of what God has done in my body because my recovery has been supernatural, all glory and all honour to be to Him. Amen. And the thing about signs and wonders, wonders are meant to make you wonder. A wonder is not meant to be explained away. A wonder is meant to say, oh, I wonder how that happened. <laughs> That's what a wonder is meant. It's meant to cause you to wonder. When's the last time happen, something happened in your life that you couldn't explain? It's just a wonder. You know, we, we do lots of things behind the scenes to make this church work. But at the end of time, at the end of my age, and the end of, of my time here on planet Earth, I want, I want the thing to be said over my life and the church that I lead and the church I'm involved in is this. When you look at us, it must be God. Yes, there were some faithful serving. Yes, there were volunteers in place. Yes, there were some good leadership and some good decisions. But all that aside, more has happened that cannot be explained. I want to be part of a church like that. I don't want to be part of a church that just knows why everything works and knows why everything happens and we've got an answer for it. I don't want to belong to a church like that. I want to be able to say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Why is it that we had our record number attendance at a, a mid-year youth event when we don't have a full-time youth pastor? That doesn't make sense. But God, people are going to go, that doesn't make sense. Why does that work? I want people to meet us, see what we do and say, I don't know why that church is working. Have you met the pastor there? I like that. He says willies and everything. I didn't say it again. I was just referring to what I used to say. Seriously, I don't want to be part of a church that can explain everything. And has everything slick. Because slick is attractive. You can attract people with slick. I don't want that. I want it to be a God moment. I know over the winter project, there are plenty of God moments, unexplainable, inexplainable moments are happening and, and, and lives are going to be changed as a result of that. I want that. Do you want it? We can have it. And, and so I trust no matter what your uh, background or experience has been when it comes to the Holy Spirit at work in your life that will be open more than we've ever been before. And the last one is just healing, supernatural healings. We see in Acts chapter 3, 
Peter and John are walking to the temple and they see this man at the gate, beautiful, and there's this incredible healing takes place. He's a beggar, can't walk. And Peter just puts out his hand and says, I don't have silver and gold, I don't have what you're asking, but I'm going to give you what you need. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And this man went leaping and jumping to church. That's how we should go to church. Not, oh, I've got to go to church. He's like, woohoo, church. He goes into church. Woohoo, woohoo. See, what I'm doing now, I shouldn't be able to do because I've just had an operation, but it's awesome. And he went leaping and jumping and praising God on the way to church. How many of us go leaping and jumping and praising God to church? Seriously, how many of you just play worship music on your way to church? Because the worship should be longer. Make it longer. Just worship earlier. No one's stopping you. If you feel like you need an hour worship, then push play for 40 minutes. Add the 20 minutes that we have here, and there's your hour. Done. It's not hard. Anyway, um, not every point will be this long, I promise you. So our first point is all gifts are from God. That's just one point. There was a few points within that one point. I was a bit sneaky, I must admit. But that's why I've got a drink, because I'm going to settle in. I've got, got 10 minutes, plenty of time. Number two, we've got to desire the gifts of the Spirit. We've got a desire. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Follow the way of the Lord, sorry, follow the way of love, and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. How much do we truly desire the gifts? It's so easy to say, I don't believe in tongues for today. I don't believe in prophecy. I don't believe in that. I asked once, how, how much do we, the Bible says eagerly desire. Eagerly desire. It didn't say have a fleeting thought. It didn't say hide behind your past and explain away the gifts. It says eagerly desire them. And so how we can change our prayer language moving forward is this, Lord, my, my past has not been uh, pleasant when it comes to this area. But I don't want to miss out on anything that you've got for me. And so, Father, from now on, I put my past behind me and I'm going after you. And if there is a gift that I, uh, is available to me that I do not yet possess, I'm going after it. Please, God, give me these gifts. Give me these gifts. Give me these gifts. The early church waited in an upper room for 10 days. They didn't even know what they were waiting for. But every day they said, Lord, whatever this gift that you are promising us, we don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it sounds like. But will you give it to us the next day? Will you give it to us? We said, we heard, we were told. Now, will you give us this gift? We don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it sounds like, but we know that we cannot move from this place until you give us this gift. Nothing next day. Will you give us this gift? We don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it sounds like. We're really confused right now. We've got better things to do right now. But I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord than live without you. So I'm going to stay here just a little bit longer and I'm going to desire your gifts. See, it's one thing to be admired. It's one thing to be acknowledged at the work of the Lord that's taking place in my life or Chris as he preaches to the young people. But what you've got to understand, a lot of that is off the pain of waiting and desiring and, and asking and then asking again and then asking again. And, and when, when nothing seems to be happening, we ask again. How hungry are we? Or are we just comfortable with not wanting, not knowing? 
people often explain away the gift of tongues. And I will never get into an argument with you if you do not believe that the gift of tongues is for you today. I will not argue with you. But I want to put this thought in your head. If there was a gift that was available to you and you could have it and it would help your prayer life and it would help you in implementing the very message that I'm sharing today and to live in the fruit of the Holy if, if Spirit, if there is a gift that could help you, would you be open to it? Or would you rather hold on to your belief so as not to bother yourself and put yourself out? The, the, the church, the New Testament church was birthed on an inconvenient 10-day period of time. Can, can you imagine what that looked like? 10 days, oh, it's just 10 days. Because we read the Bible with knowledge of hindsight. We know, well, don't, don't complain, it's only 10 days. They didn't know it was 10 days. They got to day seven, think, how long do I have to wait? This is now ridiculous. Thomas is doubting. Peter's ready to cut someone's ear off. James and John are wanting to burn someone or something, call down fire from heaven. Want to go fishing, do what they used to do. And somehow they stayed for another day, not knowing that it's only two more days you've got to wait. They didn't know that. Do you have to wait for a year? Then, they, then, then reason starts kicking in. Well, I've, I've got to start earning money. I've got a family to support. I, I can't just stay here all day. Let's make the Bible live. It's like, man, well, how long is it? say this like a year, then what? How are we meant to live? How are we going to eat? What are we going to do? They're all the voice of reason. We've just got to desire. Desire the gifts. In James chapter 5, it talks about a man by the name of Elijah who was an Old Testament prophet. And it says this, he was a man like us. Yet he prayed and something happened. God wants to take the normal or the natural and add his super to it. So that we live a supernatural life. Not super spiritual, not super weird, but supernatural. It's kind of like my natural and his super equals supernatural. That's what he wants to bring. He was like our natural. Elijah, a man just like us. Peter, a man just like us. Impatient, bombastic, cutting people's ears off, putting his foot in it all the time. Who am I talking to? I mean, who does that sound like? Don't look at me. Hang on. Whoa, that was... Whoa. You'd be right, but I was talking about the person in your mirror. Anyway, Thomas doubting on everything. Who does that sound like? Come on, we've got to see ourselves in the Word of God. I could talk more about that. Number three, the gifts of the Holy Spirit bring unity, not division. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them in all of men. This is a true picture of unity. The Trinity working together. It's three working in unity. A tri-unity. It's a trinity. And we need to be working together. If you've been graced with the gift of speaking in tongues, that's make you better. And it saddens me that so many denominations have been founded and formed on our differences. And we pride ourselves on what we can do and others can't. Instead of learning off each other. Am I a Pentecostal? Well, if by virtue of speaking in tongues I'm a Pentecostal, yes. 
But to limit my experience of God to that one moment and that one gift is ridiculous. I'm not a Pentecostal because I believe in baptism by full immersion. Does that make me a Baptist? Well, it does if that's the only thing that defines who I am. Am I a Lutheran because I believe in justification by faith? Yes, I am. I'm a Lutheran Pentecostal Baptist. And honestly, if, if I was speaking in tongues but I didn't understand justification by faith, I would go to the Lutheran church and say, explain to me this thing. I don't get it. Help me. Help me. But it, 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 it bothers me when someone gets a revelation about an aspect of God and they make it all about that. And so we have this grace movement today. Oh, the grace of God, the grace of God, the grace of God. And some of those people in the grace movement are the most ungracious people I know. Where's your grace? They're saying, we, 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 we believe in grace. I'm like, really? You're not modelling it very well. If you were truly had your eyes open to grace, it should look more like we, we've just been in a move of grace. And because of this grace movement, I'm able to speak in a way I wasn't able to before. And so I just want to know you, we love you in your differences. I mean, that would be more modelling grace than saying, you should be like us, more gracious. Let's have the band come up quick because I'm out of time. Number four, the gifts of the Holy Spirit build up, not tear down. In other words, as we open up our heart to receive these gifts from the Holy Spirit and eagerly desire, I, I, I know this to be true. God's going to start doing some things in our lives. We're going to start being graced with things we were never graced with before because of a hunger and desire. But can I say this? Stay humble. Because in receiving certain gifts and others not, or not at the rapid rate that you are, you can start looking down at others. And the gifts are not to put people down. The gifts that we have been given are not to expose what people do not have, but it's to help them. We're not here to say, I speak in tongues. Why did you speak in tongues? What? It never, it never ceases to amaze me how condemning we are. When you bring a challenge and there's a conviction of the Holy Spirit working someone, they say, trouble is Tony, he just judges me all the time. I hate being judged. You're not allowed to judge. I'm thinking, you're just judging me. Which proves my point. Church is full of hypocrites, but not really, because there's always room for one more. Jesus said, take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of someone else's. I wish I was there when Jesus was illustrating that. Because I don't think Jesus, with his white flowing robe and his halo and his milky white face and long blonde hair and his old English language, is how it would have looked. I imagine that moment, it could have been like a comedy routine. I think Jesus was a comedian. I, I, I'm convinced that Jesus was a lot more, a lot funnier than we give him credit for. I say that because the kids loved him. Kids, don't, kids are not attracted to boring. I know that to be true. And Jesus had this way with kids. And when Jesus was depicting this, get the log out of your own eye. I imagine he had a log in his hand. He was doing something crazy with that log, trying to prove a point. I don't know, I can't 
say that for sure. But it's a great point nonetheless. That we've got to not use these gifts to condemn others, but to enlighten others, to help others. And can I say if through prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, you're going to point something out in someone's life, you better be there standing with them and helping them through it. I would like to think that one thing I've lived in is the ability to speak in someone's life and stand with them and help them through. Not everyone's wanted to walk it through and some people have run. But I don't think I've ever put something on someone without saying, I'm willing to help through this. But just to come as a prophet and lay something on someone and just tick off is not what we're talking about here. If we see, feel, sense anything about somebody else's life, we do it in humility, love, with an arm around them and say, we're going to walk you through this. It's going to be the most painful thing you've ever done, but I'm going to, you're, going to, I'm going to, you're going to do it with me. We don't have to do it alone. The gifts are not to condemn and they're not to confuse. Any word of the Lord, any prophetic message, any word of wisdom has to be in line with the word of God. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, said this, if anyone is saying anything different than what I've just written down, even if it's an angel, let them be eternally condemned. So if you've got people trying to drag you away from church, that's not Bible. It's not Bible. Contrary to popular belief, God is not into family first. It's not even a biblical notion. Jesus got the two commandments down to two things. Love God first and love others second. Family finds itself within the framework of others, not at the expense of others. And I feel we live in a society where we've made family the golden calf. And if little Johnny's struggling to get to youth, well, we don't want to upset him. No, no, we're there to help him understand the value. We use what we've been gifted with and what we, the knowledge we have to help them see what they're not seeing. You can't let Johnny just do whatever he wants to do. He's going to get in trouble. That's why we have the education system. That's why we have laws in place. That's why we have things in place to stop little Johnny doing whatever he wants to do. And so my prayer, my desire that through this series, we'd have a greater hunger and a greater desire for the things of God. And we want to create some midweek meetings where we can. But can I say, if you're just going to leave it to the church and leave it to pastors and leave it to others for you to have your breakthrough, it's not going to be enough. We're going to take some ownership. These, these midweek meetings, these conversations, these teaching points can be helpers to your desire. But I know in me, seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it didn't happen on the first time. It didn't happen on the second time. Less spiritual people than me were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit before me. And I wasn't happy about it. To be honest with you. And it's those moments that test you. When you're seeking something and not getting it, and someone else who's just flippant and gets it, it's, you just want to punch someone in the face. I'm going to be honest. 
But then you have the opportunity to exercise self-control, one of the fruits of the Spirit. God is wonderful at exposing things in us. And so when I want to punch someone in the face, I sense God saying, I thought you wanted the gift of the Holy Spirit. I do! Well, you're not going to get it like that. Okay. Move away from the vehicle. Just move away. Has this been helpful? You're hungry for the things of God? I try my best every week to reach people at three levels. I see myself, when I preach, sitting at the head of the table with three guests every time I preach. When I sit at the head of the table preaching, I think of the person to my right who is that person coming for the first time and I want to give them something every time I preach. And so if that's you, if you're here for the first time this morning, you've never been to church before, you don't really get the Christian deal, you don't know what it's about, I hope there's been something for you. I doubt everything has been for you, but I hope there's been something for you to think about. I work hard in my preparation to try to meet where you're at. But you're not the only group of people here this morning. There's another group who are just brand new Christians. And so, so I want something for them. And then there's these to my left who have been Christians for years. And I also want to feed them. And under God, every time I preach, I'm saying, I want to feed you, I want to feed you, and I want to feed you. And it's hard. But what makes that harder than anything else is when those who should be most mature at the table are sitting there saying, feed me, feed me, feed me, stuff them, stuff them, stuff them, feed me. You might not do it like that, but essentially that's what we're saying. I can't stuff them. Because no one stuffed you at some time in your life. I want it deeper. To go deeper is to say, stuff everyone else, give it all for us, which we could do. But in making it all about you, we violate the simplest of Christian principles, which is not good theology at all. So why do we need to go deeper when we haven't got the simple things in place? Ouch. If there's not something for everyone in this room, I don't think we've been listening. I've got a man and a woman on the front row who were my pastors. I grew up in the church they led. And here they are today in our church. And I'm their leader. And they're sitting on the front row listening, writing copious notes. Dare I even say, gee, he's much better than I was. But for those who've been Christian for a long time, and those who've been around in this church for a long time, I love you, I do. And under God, I think there's been something in here for you today. I really do. I really do. But even if there wasn't, and I doubt that, but even if there wasn't, can we not just extend some grace that maybe, just maybe today is not all about you? For those who like prolonged worship, 
can we just relinquish that? See, this is the same Lord. There's got to be unity. And, and I ask myself this, if, if someone's going to make the first move, who should it be? Should it not be the more mature? Should it not be the Christian who's been around the longest that takes the most hits? In our family with three young kids, the people that take the most hits in our family are me and my wife. We just do because it's, it's right. It's fitting. Imagine us going to a movie. We're going to sit there and drag our kids to a movie that we want to watch. We're going to expose them to things that they shouldn't be exposed to. We're going to model something that's unhelpful. How many know this, parents? Let's have a family movie. It's going to go to the lowest common denominator. And even our two oldest kids are learning this when it comes to our youngest child because there's an eight-year gap. And I love teaching them the same principle. So we're going, to, we're going to watch cartoons, even though you don't want to watch it. And so we go see How to Train a Dragon. I don't, if, I, if, I never, if I lived my whole life and never saw that film, I could be a very happy man. <laughs> and I'd save a lot of money because the, the movies are expensive. And you know my reward in those moments is looking down the aisle and seeing our youngest going, How much of a hit did Jesus take in the splendor of heaven? How much of a hit did he take? How low was he prepared to go? How low will you go, says the Lord. So I'm prophesying now. One thing I won't do with any prophecy I ever have is say, thus saith the Lord. And I won't even draw attention that the Lord is saying it because I don't want to bring glory to myself. I want those who have an ear to hear to hear it. But I will prophesy this, how low will you go? Jesus left the splendor of heaven to come to planet earth. To go into the grave. He kept going lower and lower and lower that we could go higher and higher and higher. I'll dumb down my preaching as low as I have to to bring people with us on the journey. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 